This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to iFanboy's Booksplode, Invincible Iron Man. You're listening to iFanboy's Booksplode from iFanboy.com. Booksplode is our podcast where we talk about uh, a volume, a single a single comic book, a, a collection of stories, a thing. Today we're going to talk about Invincible Iron Man's Omnibus, which is basically issues 1 through 19, because uh, Iron Man is very popular. I am Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with Jim Roszkowski. Hi there. And Tom Caters. Hello. Both of whose words you have seen on the website and, and heard the voices and I don't need to. <laughs> no sense in belaboring it. We belong here. Now, now I know that, Tom, you've been along with Invincible Iron Man all along. Yes. You've, you've been, uh, Jim, have you been reading it from the get-go? Uh, I guess I hopped on around eight or nine. Okay, okay. So, why don't, so Tom, why don't you, you, you're a fan of the book. I, I, yeah, I, I, yes, I am. It. I, 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 have, I have been a fan of it. Uh, there's... <laughs> were, you, were you an Iron Man reader as a kid? I, that, no. I think I'm, I'm pigeonholing you as sort of a DC youth. No, that- never read Iron Man. Really? Never. No, never read Iron Man before this. Never liked Iron Man. Huh. Yeah, I, 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 
Was I what? Matt Fraction fan? Uh, yeah. I, I, that's why I started picking it up. I mean, I, I can get into... I, I never really liked Iron Man. Uh, I never got into the whole armor thing uh, all that much. You know, I was never a Batman fan when I was a kid. I always kind of liked more outrageous stuff. So, like, a guy who you know, made a metal suit and it seemed like he was getting a different metal suit all the time. Didn't really like appeal. You're saying, much to me you're saying the fact that there's no anthropomorphic animal in here and any sort of <laughs> machinery. Yeah. yeah. It didn't do it for me when I was a kid. And I, you I just prefer, was never really you prefer, you prefer heroes with powers as opposed to guys whose superpower is money. <laughs> yeah. No, Tony Stark's defense. He's also very smart, but uh, yeah, it's almost superpowery smart. Right. Yeah. Especially uh, in this book. And I was never, I was never terribly drawn to the character, but I liked Might Fraction, and uh, it was right when the movie had come out was when the the first issue came out of this, um, which kind of you can see the the fingerprints of the movie all over the first arc. Oh, I yeah, think so, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh well, you know, I'll give it a shot, and I like Matt Fraction's writing, and I've I've stuck with it the whole time. I fi- I've really found it really interesting. I found that it actually makes Tony Stark seem like a character. Uh, it's the best explanation of why Tony Stark does the things that he does. Because yeah. I think in the rest of the Marvel Universe, sometimes you don't quite know why Tony Stark it does things or why people listen to him. Or right. why, you know, <laughs> it's like it, it can be hard to discern what it is he has that right. leads other this- people to him. This drunkard in an inside a nuclear weapon is apparently very persuasive to these people. <laughs> All the time, yeah. No matter what he does, they always listen, they go back to listening to him again. When I was when I was a kid, I didn't. I was not an Iron Man guy by any stretch of the imagination. But I did get a, to a point in like eighth grade or so where I was just sort of slavishly buying everything on the shelves. And how I afforded that, I will never know. But uh, I did read a run or so of Iron Man back then, and it just coincidentally happened to be maybe maybe the promotions at the time were were really effective on me. But I bought the uh, the Armor Wars storyline. Does anybody do you did you guys see that ever? I know of it. I've never actually read it. I know of it. it, well, same. Yeah. Well, the 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 premise of it is Tony Stark finds out that bad guys in armor seem to have an awful lot of his proprietary technology in their armor. And so he kind of bucks the system and goes around blowing up everybody who has his uh, intellectual property in their, in their chests, you know, uh, which actually is the first time he fights Captain America Civil War style um, But I, that was basically the only arc of Iron Man I ever read. And now that I'm an adult, I find that I'm seeing that the the point of that the premise of that story seems to come up again and again yeah. now both in the movie and in uh the what what's the first section of this called the five nightmares yeah the five nightmares it's uh, at- yeah I, I, you know it's funny cuz i actually read iron man for a while when i was a kid and i think it was an offshoot of having read uh west coast avengers and avengers cuz he was on those teams uh, and then I read a pretty long run of of iron man that was by probably Michelini and Layton I don't think I got as far as as Armor Wars, but I remember there's one story that that always stuck out to me, and it was uh, Tony had started dating this girl, and he broke it off with her, and then like a few episodes later, she showed up on the last page and shot him through the spine. <laughs> I'm from, I'm familiar with this. And, yeah, he was he was uh, his superpower was a mullet right around that time. <laughs> yes, it was, oh. but so did it was everybody. Who I can I had one. Fuck it, uh, and, and and so he. And I, it's funny because I I was I wasn't really familiar with the demon in the bottle stuff where he was a drunkard, uh, but he became addicted to the suit because that was how he could walk, and that was the story. And I always really liked that stuff. Those are really good stories. Um, yeah. Then when this came out, everybody was was all hot with Iron Man fever. And I I'm I'm not the world's biggest Matt Fraction fan. Uh, I think that it's I think that he's gotten a hell of a lot better after reading this, especially. But um, he's definitely grown on me. Oh, totally. Especially um, since I stopped following him on Twitter. That helps. Uh, and, and so I read the first issue of this, and then I was like, mm, and I didn't read it. Uh, and then later I read the 19th issue. I don't know why. And that, <laughs> that's actually the last issue in this book, and that became pick of the week, even without having read the whole uh, follow or the whole build up to it, which is interesting because he, this entire book, all 19 issues, are build up to that. It's one gigantic that, story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As I recall, I think you just got—I think you just got tired of people you trusted uh, hammering home 
what a good book it was in the same way that I'll eventually put the wire in my uh, DVD player. Uh, uh, kind of cursing all the while, but I'm, you know. Well, you know, actually, I've, I sussed out the reason why uh, as I was reading this, and, and I and I don't know if this holds true for all sort of superhero books. Probably not, but uh, for this one specifically, I really don't think it read well in issues, and I think it, it's because it's such a long and drawn-out story. Like I would have gone nuts reading this over the course of two years. I read it over the course of two weeks. Yeah, um, and I really think it it read better like that. Uh, that was the way I read the Five Nightmares section of it, and I did I did like that a lot better mm-hmm. uh, as a result of it. And and whereas like you kind of allude to, I, I read the second part of it on a month to month basis, and I was kind of on tenterhooks the whole time. And then you know reading the recap page very carefully. <laughs> when it did come out because I, you know, was having re- a hard time. I read the whole thing monthly because I have infinite patience. <laughs> like the, I'm the job of comic book stories. Right. You know, I just throw me in the pit and I'll just read those books once a month. Wearing, wearing a shirt made out of hair. Yeah, exactly. But do you see, like, like, like it's really decompressed. I mean, did you ever feel like it was sort of I, dragging? Or? Well, what's funny is... The first six issues, I thought read worse reading them all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then those are the weakest. Uh, those are the weakest ones. Yeah, and reading them all together pointed out. We can get to that later. Pointed out things that kind of bothered me about it, and uh, the much larger story did read better mm-hmm. when all pieced together because it happens all in a row. You know, yeah, there's not it, gaps yeah. in the story, but yeah, yeah it, it read much differently. Yeah, definitely. I, I do think, however, that the very and and this is maybe I think. I think sometimes this happens to me, and I don't know if this happens to you, is you, you start a book, but you've kind of got it in the back of your mind, like, okay, I'm going to try this, but I'm not going to like it. And I think that's how <laughs> yes. I went into the first issue of this, and it gave me just enough to justify my position, I guess, as I was going through it. But reading through it now, the second time, this first issue, uh, the, the Five Nightmares of the Five Nightmares arc, the first issue of the whole series, um, it was a really, really well-constructed issue. In the sense of, like, if you don't know anything, it really lets you know exactly who Tony Stark is, what his problems are in his whole world. And if you remember at this point, I mean, uh, Tony Stark was all over the map because this was just yeah. after Civil War. He'd just taken over S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, right up until now, actually, there's still been 15 different characterizations of him in 15 different books. Yeah. And, well, and I mean, the very first uh, chapter of this that I ever read was Chapter 8, uh with the Spider-Man guest starring mm-hmm. thing. And it seemed so sort of tone deaf and oblivious as to what, what their relationship had been like post civil war. That Absolutely. I almost read, I, I went, that was the point at which I went back and read the first chapters. If only because I'd been hearing so many people recommend it. And I thought, surely they can't all be crazy. Mm-hmm. I actually really be- liked that issue. Because it was tone deaf, because I hated all the other stuff. Civil War. Well, yeah, I I really liked it because I thought it was the one time that in all the stuff that was going on around then that anyone bothered to have Tony Stark explain why he does what he does. You know, because Spider Man comes across as kind of a dink. Yes. Yeah. Spider Man is like, oh <laughs> and maybe, well, and maybe and maybe my my uh, Spider Man team jersey is part of the reason why. I didn't like <laughs> well, it, so. You know, I probably should have done this at the beginning, by the way. But since we haven't ruined anything yet. At this Spoilers. point, we're totally going to be spoiling it. So uh, go read the book on your own. We all liked it. Yep, that's uh, that's all you need to know. Yes, and then right. you can come back and listen to the rest of it from here. A little late for a spoiler warning. Ten minutes in, but what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, the the reason I like that the I liked how that went was because it's it's Spider Man who just shows up, and this always bothers me about Spider Man when he shows up someplace, and he starts like moralized, like oh you know like I I can't do that because I have to protect people and people are going to die. And Tony Stark pretty much just tells him it doesn't matter. People are going to die no matter what you do. You know, like, it's not easier to hide who you are. You know, both sides have, like, their issues going on. And what Tony Stark is doing is as important. Or, you know, Tony Stark it doesn't let everyone know that he's Tony Stark because he doesn't care, you right. know, about people. You know, or that people are going to get hurt because he doesn't think it matters. He doesn't think it's going to save anybody if he's not. And it was kind of like a nice explanation of something that I thought was very lacking and all the Civil War stuff, of why Tony Stark does stuff. You know, like, is he just, like, some goof who, like, guesses (laughs) wrong? 
about things, you know, like, does he care? that it, He's got know? a lot of people fooled and making it up as he goes along. Yeah, is, is that what it is? Or it's just like, and I, I, I think it was, I went a long way towards making me actually sort of like Tony Stark. Because when you have someone whose superpowers being really smart, sometimes I think uh, the writers or the creators make the character, the character becomes the superpower. The yeah. character is the smarts, and there's no separation between that. You know, it's like uh, when someone's super smart, sometimes the crutch is always to, you know, have, you know, have them be a genius and have everything sort of fall back on that and not have other things about them. Nick Fury. Like us, yeah, they also make, give them something, you know, interesting, which is why I thought the first 19 issues are great because Matt Fraction goes out of his way to very much separate that superpower from Tony and still yeah. let you know who Tony is. Aside I, think most, from- I think most of the Illuminati have this problem now that you're highlighting what it is mm-hmm. and articulating it. Uh, I, 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 t- I think the worst example of that is Nick Fury. Nick Fury is one of those characters right now, every time he shows up, he just goes, I got this, and, and he does. <laughs> right. and yeah. It doesn't matter, and I don't really know anything about him or have any reason to like him other than he's cool. And- or it's the idea of, you know, like, you don't want to ever. You don't always want to see characters show up and be like, "I know everything that's going on, and right. I'm not going to explain any of it." <laughs> you know, just enough to get this story, you know, rolling. So it's nice to see, you know, Tony Stark have um, actual character and like flaws and stuff to him, and even yeah. the brief cameo of Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Fraction manages to sort of inject a little bit more character into Reed Richards than I think you see a lot of times. And with a really nice framing device by the, for that story, using yeah. the chessboard and yes. the whole thing and how all that works. And, and it's just, uh, that kind of stuff came up over and over again in this, and it was really subtle. And I, I got to say, like, at the end of it, I was really impressed. I was like, wow, Matt Fraction has done a really good job with this. And I think that, and he, t- and he, and he shaved, like, the, the, the image that I had of his writing, I guess, before, was a guy who who tried to be a little too smart and a little too cool. Instead. Did you read that Who Won't Wield the Shield? Yeah. 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 That was... Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that. that. Exactly that. <laughs> that. I know what you're talking about. That Doctor Strange, but not Doctor Strange thing. That uh, No, I hated that. Um, but really, I felt like in this, he, he really subdued himself to the point and... And structurally, the whole thing, I mean, just from the, be- from the beginning where he's super smart to the end where he's super dumb, and then the suits are <clears throat> the suits are regressing along with him as it goes on and are very... I thought that was a nice face. touch. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. <clears throat> it was. It was just comic book fun cool. You yeah, know, like- and, as, and like I, as I said, I'm not an Iron Man guy, so I wasn't like an outfit fetishist, like... Yeah. Oh, he's wearing the yellow one, you know, or whatever. But and one of the other things that uh, it's it was nice to read this out of time is that I didn't have to worry about what was going on anywhere else because I didn't remember. Now, yeah. if you remember when this came out, you know, Tony Stark was in Civil War. He was in Civil War Frontline. He was in Avengers. He was in Mighty Avengers. He was in everything, and everybody was doing him a little different. Hell, I think Bendis was doing him different in different books. <laughs> right. And yeah. and this. I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. He was consistent yeah, through and, this story. And as I think back to that Spider-Man chapter, I was very in the Civil War moment. Yeah, right. And in, like, when I was reading this, I didn't know. I was like, is this before or after Brand New Day? Does he know who yeah. he is? Is he not? And I was like, ah, yeah. you, I got it from context. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, like, if I, maybe, maybe I should give that one a harder look now because – yeah, like I said, at the time, I was very into Civil War, and then about a year later, I went back and reread it, and it was like, was I being gassed in the room that I read this in? <laughs> something being, was something being pumped into the air supply? But, uh, yeah, so, so yeah, maybe I owe it another... In, uh, in the same vein, uh, another character who I think suffered exactly the same thing after Tony's time in the sun was over was Norman Osborn, who was in, oh God, I think even more books. Like, he was yes. the villain in every single Marvel book yeah. for a year, and I hated it. I was, I was so sick of it. Um, because he seemed to have a different goal in every book. Uh, in the one book, you know, he was trying to—I don't know what he was trying to do—but well, in this, his whole goal was to least, take down Tony Stark. At least Norman has the the ex, the writerly excuse of of having multiple personalities, and you know, sure, all, yeah, unbalanced. At least that's the excuse I would use as a writer. <laughs> it's sometimes I, I I found it a little distracting, not just in the sense that his goals are different, but like sometimes. He was unhinged to the point of like, mm-hmm. why? Like, seriously, this guy's in charge. To like, yeah. uh, unhinged 
that like you knew it as the reader and it kind of changed from book to book mm-hmm. exactly what was going on. But sometimes I'd, even in the Iron Man one, a couple times something would happen and I would be like, so it was really no one concerned that he tried to smash the windows in his office. Everyone's just yeah. fine with that. You know, like I, I, I realized that Norman Osborn's the villain, but ostensibly, you know, the well, if you, the people that work for him, not all of them, well, as we see later, are, are like, yeah, Norman Osborn. Yeah, right. Sure. But if you think about it, like Victoria Hand. <laughs> yeah. He's, the he's, pair, just a, he's just a really bad boss. The yeah. devil, Although these people, the devil these wears chains. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, Victoria Hand is a character who, at the the way that Bendis wrote it, at the end, Captain America was like, "You were just doing your job, trying to do the best. I'm going to give you a job." Whereas the Victoria Hand in this story clearly knew she was in some fucked up shit, and and wouldn't have passed the the Captain America muster test. I think. Oh, you know Captain saying? America's wrong sometimes. No, he's not. How dare you, <laughs> sir? <laughs> sir. It, uh, hey, I'm just saying. Since Vietnam, it hasn't been the same. <laughs> Ever since he was present for Richard Nixon's suicide. Yeah. Exactly. We know he hasn't been right all the time. All that being aside, at, le- at least in this, like, Norman Osborn, I thought, was was fairly consistent the whole yes. way through. I got him. He was a good villain for, for against Tony. He was, you know, yeah. and I didn't have to worry about reading him in every book. So it, Is, uh, it nice uh, this. Isn't Matt Fraction a Warren Ellis acolyte? Yes. Because yeah, uh, I thought that his depiction of Osborne in the Iron Man books was very consistent with Ellis's Thunderbolts Osborne. Yeah, probably. And I mean, I don't know that that was very willful or whatever. It's just something, one of those things. It makes I sense. Did like, I did like the Osborne in the Iron Man probably better than a lot of the ones I saw because you could, you, you knew he was crazy, but also at the same time, he, there's a lot of media moments. You could see why yeah. people would get fooled. Yeah, which I think is sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle, but is you know supposedly fictionally, everyone right. not everyone sh- should know that he's crazy or he shouldn't be obviously crazy to everyone all the time. So it's nice to see the dual sides of that, which I think they did a very good job of. Um, another thing that I thought was was that worked really well about these books um, was sort of the three protagonist thing, because it was Maria Hill who they figured out wasn't blonde about halfway through. <laughs> and uh, Pepper Potts were sort of the... They were like a little triumvirate, really. This book wasn't just Tony Stark's book, which I thought uh, was really nice. And and again, um, Maria Hill and this wasn't exactly the same Maria Hill as the one from the Avengers books. And once you got past that and you realized it was consistent in this book, I thought she was a really fun character. Uh, and, and further, uh, Pepper Potts I actually really liked. There's a character who I... I think he was really writing the one from the movie in this, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like Pepper's whole thread throughout the book, you know, getting her own suit of armor, which those things can be stupid. You could be like, oh, Pepper right. Potts is getting a suit of armor. But I think they did a really good job, just like with showing all the different types of armor. It's like, yeah, it's Iron Man. You know, throw some suits out there. Well, the, no, her, her thing that she didn't want to be a weapon, and they, yeah. they kept that consistent. Uh, all the way through the weapon had the the suit had no you know uh, you know the hulk doesn't have any weapons either she could punch real hard but still um i thought that was a really nice thing and then like the different uh ways that they that she had to use it and how it talked to her and and the sort of the ways it was different than his armor like when she had to rescue the plane and stuff like that that was cool after uh after iron man 2 came out a friend of mine who doesn't read comics but secretly wants to uh did some did some Wikipedia research and came to me as the Oracle and said, you know, I Pepper got a suit. That sounds ridiculous. And I, you know, mm. normally would get defensive about that and you know feel like a stupid nerd with Spock ears on. But when I thought back to this uh, to this storyline, it made perfect sense. It was completely logically consistent within the uh, trajectory of the story. Uh, you know, it it all it all sort of it it didn't seem forced or tacked on or ludicrous or anything it like that. Slowly. Too. Yeah, I mean, like she got the thing in her chest at the very beginning, and it was for a reason, and it, it was a long time before it paid off. Yeah, I think absolutely, and I and I'll also say that both in the hands of Bendis and Mark Miller, and I think did I th- want to say Bendis created Maria Hill? Is that true? That is true. Yeah. So even even when she was written by the guy who in whose brain she sprung out of, oh, I hated her. 
Oh, really? So much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I would have thrown her off the helicarrier in about a second and a half, especially when she – I can remember a point when she was uh, – she had some team of Avengers on the helicarrier and, and was, they wouldn't tell her what she wanted to know. And so she just had a psychic from shield read their minds and get all the information. And, Oh, I wanted to pull an aha and jump into the panel and smack her. It's interesting because the, the, her sort of first scene in this book, uh, is, is when she's fired and, uh, well, it's not her first scene, but the, when her arc really starts up and like when she's walking away, like all the other soldiers hate her. Yeah. So that's interesting because, you know, like this is sort of that switches the, the, the point of view, I guess, yeah. a little bit. I loved what Faction did with Maria L in this yeah. book. You I, know, was, like, I, was on, I was on Team Hill by the end, absolutely. And that he gave, gave her backstory and gave her uh, stuff to do besides just argue mm-hmm. yeah. with people, you know, and have her part of the action and have her story separate from Iron Man's for a while, but still driving forward and still important to the overall story and having uh, what I really liked also was the spy action was like the right mix of sort of um, ludicrous, but also believable, you know, nothing happened in it, you know, because it's all techno babble type stuff. And sometimes with that, you could be like, Oh, well, what, you know, this doesn't make any sense. But most of the time, I thought there was a really good effort to at least have what everyone was doing make sense, you know, at a very basic yeah. level and explain it away and explain it well enough that you weren't sitting there like, but wait, if Tony Stark's brain's like a hard drive, you know, why, you know, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? It's all pretty ridiculous and he did a pretty good yeah. job <laughs> of having us go along with it. Yes. I, I spent a while wondering why Black Widow hated Maria Hill so much and then I remember now that Jim's explaining it that... Yeah, she, the, she, the Avengers didn't like her very much. She ordered S.H.I.E.L.D. to open fire on Captain America. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's one that's tough to get over. So, of course, Tony's yeah. going to like her. That's going right. to work out just fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you think that the controller story that sort of happened with her came up from out of nowhere? Uh, I did. Um, I also thought it got dropped weirdly. I like, just, I thought it, it would come up more. It just sort of happened. Like I felt like they that was that's one thing. Like I felt like they had to shove something in that was comic booky, and then then they were stuck dealing with it the whole time, where she couldn't function because of it. But it was just <laughs> sort of like it, she just happened to stumble on this huge. Well, my only like, problem with it was I, and I'm going to sound cruel towards this fictional character, but I was like, come on, you're under his control for what, like, forty five seconds. <laughs> was it that <laughs> it was that traumatic towards he you know was like in her like, head tom <laughs> i know i know but i was like well, okay. i mean come on check it off you're like uh, it's like it's supposed to be like a super marine right well i mean and she it, it had there was one plot focused goal that she had to achieve and then she stumbled into this entire other like she stumbled into a solo miniseries yeah uh and it you know reminded me of that scene in titanic when they decide to chain Leonardo DiCaprio to a pipe and an episode of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles breaks out in the middle of the movie because the actual Titanic tragedy was not interesting enough to me apparently. But, uh, so, you know, it, it was kind of like where, I don't know what this has to do with anything, but it did, I guess it arguably shed some light on the character, maybe got some people on the side of a woman who, uh, I may remind you opened fire on Captain America, uh, one time. Uh, but I probably would have liked it more if, if somehow it like wove back in, yeah, I think again, towards the end, or you know, it came up somehow. Like there was some other reason, or if the controller had anything to do with the story that was going on. Yeah, right. You know, they just didn't in the way that just be like, there. Yeah, he. You know, if we hadn't seen the last of him, or it turned out he was affiliated with Osborne in some right. capacity, or something like that. Yeah, uh, I guess, or, or or even like Stark had tested her in some cruel, horrible way. Oh, Tony, why? <laughs> why? Why he's a futurist. Um, he's a futurist, Tom. He is a futurist. That's that's uh, oh, like a straight shooter or right. you know a real a hole as we would call him. <laughs> he, he tells it like it is. It is yeah. just just like every other a hole says <laughs> they do. Futurist. Uh, now, uh, I guess one of the I guess the 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 thing that sticks out when I think about this book, and one of the things that that I know it keeps my two partners from reading it, uh, is the art. Yeah, um, which is something well, that needs to be discussed. This is Salvador yeah. Larocca, who has changed his style over the years. Um, yeah. and, and this book, 
it is consistent all the way through stylistically. Um, but there, there's, 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 there's some people who definitely have issues with this art style. Are how, where, where do you, Tom, you've been on along. How do you feel about the art? Um, I enjoy that it's been consistent the whole way through. I think he does a good job with the armor. Yes. And any sort of technology. My my major problem is, um, as Fraction seems to like to do with the Iron Man book, every once in a while it becomes very talking head. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is not Salvador La Roca's current strength with his style. No. Uh, I feel that it at times the faces are very emotionless. In fact, almost conveying emotions that aren't there almost sort of like look weirdly silly yeah. at times yeah. in juxta- juxtaposition to what's going on. Um, sometimes uh, characters don't look the same. That was, and that, yeah. that was my Norman Osborn. Not Norman Osborn goes at one yeah. point. He looks like, he looks like, like an old Richard Nixon yep. to another one. He just, he looks like, you know, he just, it's a completely different person, but there's one panel in particular. That I was just like, that is terrible. Like he had a big fat chin and he just was odd. Tony is another character who looks completely different all the way through. Now you he, can tell me that they're going to shave off that mustache and beard and he's going to look different under it, but that is a different dude. Yes. He in, and I, I, I realize I'm, I'm leaving the scope of, of this actual omnibus, but in the most recent issue of the series, he literally turned into lost Josh Holloway with collagen implants. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I, it I, is patently the case. That can't happen. No. And <laughs> I, I'm not, uh, I lean a lot more towards the Scotty Youngs and, and Chris Bacalos of the world than I do towards the Mike Diodatos and the Greg Lands of the world. So. Normally, this is not my bag, but uh, I mean, uh, LaRocca is hot, runs hot and cold with me. It, it, usually, if I can't recognize the person that he's, he's blatantly uh, referencing, it doesn't bother me so much, but uh, it's become more problematic did, as the book goes I on. I did decide over the course of this that I think that he's, he's actually a, a very pretty competent storyteller. Um, yeah. Like the, really, like I don't remember any time getting lost or wondering what was happening. The storytelling was very strong, and the composition was actually really strong. Uh, a lot of the times, I do. I think that I don't know if it's photo referencing. It's got to be in, in a certain sense. But there's a way. I feel like there's something inorganic being done to these pages uh, when it comes to these faces. Like it's. Is this a? Is any of this a coloring issue? I I don't love the coloring on this. That's definitely true, especially again when we're talking about the organic stuff, the faces. It looks a little like that, sort of not as good at Photoshop, trying to make it painterly. Yeah, um, everyone's face is real smooth and shiny. Even like Tony looks like his mustache sometimes is like a fake mustache, <laughs> on like a very smooth faced man. You know, it, yeah, it's just little stuff right like that. that. Yeah, looking at that exactly. But no, it's it's totally the, like this is not the like. The the Tony on page fifty is not the same Tony on page two fifty, and it's just and and the mustache is different, and the and it's smooth looking, and it's weird. And Maria Hill actually looks different through the whole thing too. I do. It, they all look differently, but they look differently in the same way the whole way through, which is <laughs> a weird victory in a way. I, I think I think that that sentence was a kind of mental Mobius strip that I'm going to have to work on for a while. <laughs> they look differently, but the same kind of different the whole way the whole way right. through. From beginning right. to end. But again, that being said, like the storytelling is actually really the pacing is really yeah. good. The storytelling is really good. Like I had no problem with that. Uh, I thought that worked really well. And and I think that sometimes when you get these guys who are doing this, I know I don't. Again, I don't know how he's doing it. I don't think he's tracing necessarily, but I think he's using some sort of photo, uh, like a lot of photo reference yeah. or yeah. or some sort of computerized program to sort of position and place his characters. You can not like that, but. The storytelling is the other other side of the art. Yeah. And I think that that was actually hey, really well done. He's he's done all the issues, yeah. and as far as yeah. I know, not late really. Not a, maybe not like a, week not or a deadline two. blown. Yeah, but, yeah, but not like egregious in any sort of way. Which I is think impressive. it was was it t- a Tony Harris or somebody was recently online saying that photo referencing is is older than Norman Rockwell. It's the most common thing in the world. Everybody uses it. It's all a matter of. It's not the what, but the how. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I think that's kind of what we're bumping up against here. I think that this is a a very different use of technology than I think we're used to in a lot of American comic books. And it shows. 
Like I, I don't know what he's doing. I think he's doing something that people weren't able to do, and it, it makes some people uncomfortable, myself included. I don't really like it. It because there's a there's an inorganic quality to it that I that doesn't that doesn't uh, sit well with me. And at the same time, though, there's a lot of things in the book that 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 work because of that because it's an Iron Man book. Like if there was any book he was going to do, it's I think it's this one. Um, you know, yeah. what's, you know, it's a really funny part, by the way, speaking of the art and, and something that didn't work. Uh, so you know how they put Tony Stark's entire mind on a hard drive or a yeah. thing. So basically mm-hmm. what it is, is an, it's an iPhone. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and then, um, Maria, no, is it no black widow takes the iPhone to some shady dude in Chinatown. Right. And he's like, Oh, this is beyond bleeding edge. This is Stark tech. I can't, I can't do anything with this. And then you look at the phone in and in, in, in she's holding an iPhone, and then the image on it is literally that of the label on the top of a Western Digital hard drive. <laughs> and it actually says Western Digital Caviar, and I was like, you should probably not use that because he's <laughs> in the says, future. What what kind of what's it? Do I need to hook this up? This can't be consumer grade. Ain't even pro grade, white girl. That's Stark through and through. I'm like, no, it's Western Digital. Western Digital it says right there. It has, a, it has a sticker on it that it's says I am not high, Stark at it's, all. It's in a high res enough that I can read that. The WD50 yes. Caviar. That's I have one of those. I know how to hook it up. It's an EID cord. It's not <laughs> hard. Um, but that like that how is was, it? Worked pretty good. It did. It yeah. did. Yeah, it worked fine. It hadn't crashed. Yeah, well, I guess. It'll welcome be. to Tech Talk. Sorry. No, it's alright. I'm just. I believe um, it's E I I I forget. I used to be able to do that. I built a PC once. Sorry. It, <laughs> oh, you're did like you, our Tony you, Stark. Yeah. Did you store your memories on it? Your terrible, I, terrible memories. Actually, the USB ports didn't work, so I did something wrong. I wonder if this book was designed to undo Civil War in any capacity. Like, if that was any sort of editorial contribution. Or I can't. I, it did in a way. It's funny because they've been working towards that the whole time through Civil War. The message was, we are editorially not taking sides. They clearly were in every book that had Tony. He was the bad guy. He made the bad decision. It's still going on to this day. Even in his own book, like yeah. Happy Hogan got murdered, and you know, he lost everything, and nobody liked him, et cetera, et cetera. But that's that's book, the main reason I didn't sign on in number at number one. Right. But in this book, at least like. You see his point of view, and you can understand it better. Mm. And it, it it does justify what he does and make him not seem like such. He's not a bad guy. He's not necessarily a good good guy. Although he is altruistic at heart, that is still his his point. He believes he's doing all these things for the right reasons. It's the most sympathetic of all the books towards the character, I think, and it's the only yeah. one that it's the only one that's done the character. I think any real service. You're, yeah, as 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 it's going on, you you even the hardest hearted among us start start to go. Oh well, yeah, sure. Him and him and Reed had to build that space gulag. Well, I, I, where they I locked think, up their friends. I think what forever. it gives you actually is like the feeling of, um, whereas in Civil War and a lot of the other books, you just got the sense that they were like, "We're right all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should listen to us." But in this book, you get the sort of sense that the Tony, if you imagined yourself as somebody who is right almost all the time, and you see how things work, and you're right. 99.9% of the time and you see something you legitimately think something horrible is going to happen because of something and you do something that a lot of people are going to think is really terrible to prevent it and that's that like 0.01% of the time that you're wrong you know it happens yeah. to everyone and it's his hubris that drives him to truly believe that he's always you know right all the time even though he probably is he probably is smarter it's it's all about him recognizing his own hubris in this one. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's that's the key to what's going on. So that's exactly it. Uh, I mean, the, the fact is, the sacrifice he's making in this is fairly profound. By the end of the first omnibus, uh, uh, he has destroyed his mind. It isn't everything that he is. That's the that's you know he's placed in the hands of other people. So, you know, he's not a dick for that. No, I don't think. Although it, I did read a lot of the arc that followed these two. And I got, they really dragged for me because it was like six issues of Stephen Strange searching his mindscape. Yeah, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a drag. Um, but within the contents of this omnibus, I think it it moves uh, it moves well, quite swift. I've decided after reading this that I'm not going to try to read it in issues anymore. It really didn't yeah. work for me. Uh, but yeah, it worked entirely differently when I read it this way. Um, 
Maybe because I have no attention span because of a, a baby. But <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have a baby when I started, so that must not have been it. Uh, right. Um, so much has changed since this came out. Uh, <laughs> Tony... Go ahead. Tony definitely suffers for his sins throughout this. He, as as much as I wanted uh, Mark Miller's Iron Man to be sort of pilloried in the public square, Mad Fraction's Iron Man gave me as close as I was going to get to that. Mm-hmm. They yeah. really rehabilitated a character who had not been written very well by the predecessor, yeah. Mark Miller's predecessor, and his and the other predecessors. Well, yeah, I mean, it really gives you the the way it would be, the ups and downs of being someone like. Tony Stark, you know, yeah. like the one time you're wrong, it's going to be horrible because everyone depends on you so much and has so much faith in you because of all the times you're right that when you do screw up, you know, like what happened with Secret Invasion, yeah, things are going to be truly awful. Mm-hmm. And he's not the type of person who, uh, you know, the, the hubris to think I'm going to put all the shield information in my brain, you know, mm-hmm. that's not going to be a big problem. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not just like other people's faith in him. It's his own faith in himself that he's not the type of person that would be like, well, I'm not going to put all of them in there. He's the type that's going to say, yeah, of course, I can handle it and I can always handle it. But he pays for it, you know. Yeah. Man. Okay, but then at the same time, you're talking about all that stuff. Like in this book, he has like a touching goodbye kiss with Pepper. Yep. <laughs> Issue or two later, Stoops Maria Hill goes back yep. to kissing Pepper. I actually was like, I was like, that's bold. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, it's very, I guess it's very Tony Stark. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, uh, and you kind of, it's kind of the, um, like the comic book Don Draper effect where you're kind of <laughs> yeah. like, that's good. it's like, oh, that's kind of a dick move, but uh, I don't know. I kind of like him. So, yeah. I, you know, whatever. No, because it, it's horrible what he does. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. like. And there really is a very nice will they or won't they Pepper Potts Tony Stark thing going on the whole time. And yes. I don't and, and I and I didn't realize until actually the other day I was listening to uh Word the Bird Balloon with Kelly Sue DeConnick that I didn't realize that Pepper had been married to Happy. Yes. Who had been yeah. killed. And Wikipedia uh Wikipedia says they have kids. Really? <laughs> Which yeah. means she's the worst mother of all time, or Wikipedia is poorly monitored. Well, one I, like one of the scenes I really liked in it that was really sad was when Tony's losing his memory, and after he um, has slept with Pepper, and she mentions something about um, happy. He says, "Who's happy?" Hmm. Like he's forgotten as now, he's losing all of his memories, I or he's just covering. See, I didn't catch that. I thought that was just a joke. When no, I, I think it. it's le- no, legitimate that no, he... No, now I get it, but yes. Yeah. No, what I mean is I thought it was kind of a, or the writer's joke, like, who's happy? Like, it's because it's kind of funny, but I yes. didn't realize there were all those other emotional entanglements going on. Now, as a reader, you can still read this without knowing that, and you're fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually one thing that's... I, I, I don't know how accessible it is. I feel like it's fairly accessible without having read everything that came before it. The, all that Civil War stuff and all the stuff that happened, but I, I'm yeah. not entirely sure. It kind it's, of stays I, uh, out of it enough that, yeah. that it's not... Well, and like, well that's, that's another one of the side effects of every Iron Man appearance being written differently mm-hmm. than every other Iron Man appearance that was going on at the time. Like, if anything, you might be hurt by an excess of knowledge about what else was going I on. I think that's absolutely possible. Find the one you like and just read that one. Can I, exactly. Can I, can I talk about my biggest pet peeve that actually does take place in every, the one thing they've consistently got? Yeah. I hate the view of Tony inside the suit. Yeah. Oh, Guys, you're not a fan of the movie oh. depiction? That was around before the movie because I remember it happening in New Avengers a long time maybe, ago. Maybe that's a Warren Ellis thing, extremist. It might be, but there was this whole... Th- I remember like in the early New Avengers, I was like, where is he? Is he not in the suit? Oh, like he's nude and it's all... He's in his mindscape or whatever. Yeah, I, hate, yeah. I hate it. It's like some excuse to show his face, which doesn't really seem to be necessary when you have an artist who sucks at drawing faces. <laughs> Just get me back to the sweet uh, robot... That the artist is really good. At but, the, yeah. so like, like, but he's got it, and Pepper's got it, and Norman's got it, and Crimson Dynamo's got it, and it's just, and, and Rhodey's got it, and they're all doing the same thing. But if it's extremist, then they shouldn't all have it. Yeah. Aha. This is a, I want that to go away. That, that I, I withdraw the point. Um, 
Yeah, that that could be. Well, but at the same time, they 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 are addicted to showing the expressive faces. Like even even with Spider Man, they'll make his eye they'll make his eyes uh, expressive despite the fact that they're actually unmoving lenses. You know, have you ever? Well, they, am I articulating this correctly? No, I like, know what you mean. Yeah, you gotta, uh, you gotta use the eyebrow. Yeah, or the or the or and, the mouth cloth suck. Right. They or they always love to. Oh, they are addicted to tearing Spider Man's mask so that you can see his mouth. Sam Raimi in particular, but just about every artist of of his book. Listen, just with actors, I can at least understand it. Like, drove me nuts with Iron Man too. I was like, put the fucking mask on. <laughs> right. People For are God shooting. Sakes, <laughs> you're Iron Man. Put the mask on. <laughs> But I get that. He's an actor. They want to act. They want to be able to see his face, blah, blah, blah. But um, oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Anyway. It will drive me nuts now. Sorry. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, anybody else have any salient points to make about this book, or do you think we've, we've done well enough? I would say that if I had any major complaints after having reread the first 19 was that the, the first six come across a little weaker reading them all together. Definitely. Uh, and there's yeah. uh, a few times where it, I think it gets a little jokey uh, or it gets a little like when um, Ezekiel Stain is in the like tobacco company's offices and he kills everybody, but he has to have a speech about how bad they are for selling cigarettes to kids. Like a, that, like mean, a fucking you, suicide bomber. You mean the, you mean the, the scene from Dogma? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 At that point, I was a little, that throws me threw me for a loop again. Reading, it. I was like, I mean, like, that's, I, I, you that's know, why I didn't read it. I mean, that's your, that's yeah. why I didn't. I was like, ah, whatever. Isn't it interesting that when we look back on the things that we remember particularly vividly, or the things that we liked about the book, we talk about Maria Hill's characterization, Pepper, Tony, Norman Osborne. We have nothing whatsoever so far to say about Ezekiel Stain because it was lame. Like, as a character. The idea was cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't think the character matched up to... I think the concept was actually a really, really cool concept. The idea that his technology could be used, uh, you know, as a terrorist weapon. But I think uh, Ezekiel Stain kind of undercut it, like, the um, direness of it, in a way. Well, he was never a threat. Tony yeah. never treated him like he was a threat, and we never felt he was a threat. Uh, as opposed to, for whatever reason, Norman Osborn in this seems like a threat, or at least yeah. the the sort of edginess of Tony's plan made it all seem like it could all fall apart. Well, yeah. if, I, if I think there's a weakness to Iron Man overall, mm-hmm. having you know seen the movie, uh, the first one, I haven't seen the second one yet, but in uh, yeah. reading more Iron Man type stuff, uh, the enemies aren't the most intriguing. Mm-hmm. His villains aren't the most the man, intriguing well, part of it because right. Tony always, he the screws ma- himself over. I mean, yeah. Tony's always... Yeah. But the Mandarin's a good villain. When, when yeah. used well, the Mandarin's really good and that's his main villain. He's just not in this because it, it doesn't fit. This is a technology yeah. book and the Mandarin yeah. is magic so I get that. But um, Any sufficiently stories. advanced technology, Josh, would seem like magic. <laughs> seem like magic. Listen, listen, uh, okay, I have one thing. No. Uh... <laughs> I, I mean, the I just, go ahead. No, no. I mine is a total tangent. Okay. Well, I was, I was, I was going to wrap up. So if you have a tangent, now's the oh, time. Oh, now's the time, the only, sir. When I'm thinking, I'm trying to think about Ezekiel Stain, and even Madame Mask was more interesting and memorable to me. But the yeah, only history. thing, I, yeah, absolutely. And also, there was that great switcheroo with uh, Pepper and the mask as the uh, as things. Yeah, dragged. that was awesome. That was good. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. see that coming, and I that think I'd awesome. read it. Right. <laughs> but when I think back to when I try to remember Ezekiel Stain, the only thing I have in my mind is this picture of him wearing a T-shirt that says Tony was right. And above it is a skull wearing Captain America's mask with a bullet hole right yeah. in the middle of the A. And I, sp- I, di- I don't remember anything about Ezekiel Stain, but I remember spending a good 10 minutes imagining what that T-shirt vendor's day was like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was it was a total, total yeah. side trip. I, it's. I think it might just be a case that when Fraction got a chance to like sort of spread out and tell a longer story, and I think the pacing sort of found its feet, mm-hmm. and the story sort of got momentum going. I think it it really sort of took off from that point. And you, yeah. I had a lot less of these problems, you know, once we got into the world's most wanted 
story, which makes up the vast majority of it. It really sort of just kind of took on a life of its own, which is, you know, when story is really well done, that's hopefully what you get. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, and the first story makes sense. I mean, like, yeah, I get why like, they do a story like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it, it, you know, and it's funny because that worked for probably a lot of people. It didn't work for me. Uh, but and then the longer term story was really where where it where it kicked in and got good. Some shows just need a season to figure out what they are. Yeah. Well, that's Simpsons. True. The Simpsons are unrecognizable in the first season. Three seasons almost. <laughs> um, for- yes. Well. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I had a train of thought going. You know what's funny is that this was nominated for an Eisner, or I think it won. Maybe I want to say that it did. Best new yeah, series or something like that. And I will say that when I saw the nomination, I was like, whatever. I see it now. I totally get it. It was. It's very good. Uh, this omnibus, if you've never read it, I don't know why you've listened this long, but <laughs> right. uh, it's. It really. It really is. It really is an excellent work. Uh, it's. It's easily the best thing Matt Fraction's ever done, and I, and I have to give it up because. Uh, it's a giant story, and it, and it is incredibly cohesive, uh, and it's incredibly consistent character characterization-wise, uh, and it also fits in with all that other Marvel stuff, in a, and it manages to still tell its own story, which is which is pretty friggin' yeah. impressive. Um, and it, it's also like a lesson on don't get caught up in those nitpicky things in the middle of it because it won't matter later. Yeah, yep. I suppose. The more you know. I don't like Iron Man, and I like this. So there you go. That's something. Yeah. I sort of like Iron Man now because of this. Well, there's That's very true. That is a very true statement. I do sort of like Iron Man now. Wow. Uh. I mean, it's too bad it won't be the same guy that Bendis is writing, but whichever. <laughs> whichever, it's fine. Listen, when the next Omnibus comes out in four years, I'm totally going to buy it. Yeah. That's yeah. how that's going to work. It's totally worth it. All right. I guess if you want to comment on this show, go to ifanboy.com. There'll be a thread all for that. You can catch the works of Tom and Jim on iFanboy at various times throughout the week. Uh, they entertain us, uh, and I'd like to thank you both. Uh, I'm tired. You can tell. I, I know. It's, I it's serve also, it's the also the like it's Larry hot. King late at night. It's hot here. It's so hot. It's very hot. I'm just kind of sweaty. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks.